Ainsley Earhart is the author of three New York Times best-selling books. Her newest book is I'm So Glad You Were Born. She hosts a Bible study with Fox Nation and has over one million followers on her social media platforms combined. Ainsley's been the co-host of the popular Fox and Friends morning show since 2016. Ainsley, thanks so much. It's so great to be talking with you. Thanks for taking time to join us on Takeaways. Well, Kirk, thank you for having me on. I love your show. You're doing so great. I'm really proud of you. Well, thank you for those kind words. And I'm so much less nervous talking with you in this format than I am when I'm talking to you as a news anchor. (laughs) I don't believe that. You've been in television your entire life. I grew up watching you and then I got to interview you. I remember the first time you walked in and I thought, oh my word, is this happening? This is Kirk Cameron. I think I had every magazine that you were on the front cover of Teen Bop and all those magazines. And I tell you this every time I interview you on Fox and Friends, because it's so surreal what God has done in my life. And I know you feel the same in your life, but I grew up watching you. And then I had the opportunity to interview you. And I've done that several times. And now I'm on your show and I still pinch myself. I can't believe, you know, God has given me all the desires of my heart and and, um, being in the entertainment industry is one of them. And I'm just so fortunate to talk to you. Well, it, 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 it's so cool uh, that God has his people in all different places. And uh, in a culture that we are experiencing right now where people are being canceled left and right, it's so good to know that uh, there are believers on the other side of these screens that we can talk to and we can point people to their hope and to their truth. Yes, I agree with you. And I think that's why your show is so successful. And I think that's why these books are doing well, because these messages are messages of hope. And I think after last year with politics and what we've all gone through, I think we want positivity in our life and we want happiness and hope. So Ainsley, I want to talk about your brand new book. Uh, It's actually been out for a while. It's uh, been on the New York Times bestseller list. It's been number one for a while. But before we do, uh, I'd just love to go back and, and give people a bit of your background. You're a journalist. Was that always part of the plan or is that something that uh, you discovered as you went along? Well, when I was little, I mean, really little, Kirk, I think I was maybe four years old and I was, you know, had a glimpse of the Oscars or all of the Hollywood shows and I wanted to be there so badly. And my mom introduced me to all of these Hollywood celebrities that she grew up with and we would watch old black and white movies together. And at first I would reject it. Mom, I don't want to sit here for two hours and watch this. And then I would watch with her. And at the end of the movie, we're passing the Kleenex box back and forth and crying. And so I loved Hollywood and loved the idea of being in in film or television or on the stage in some capacity. So I was really involved in theater growing up and wanted it so badly. I would watch these shows and just cry and ask God, why am I born in South Carolina? It seems so impossible to have these parents that don't think that they're not going to allow me to go to Hollywood or allow me to go to New York City until I'm old enough to make those decisions on my own. And, you know, why did you give me this desire if it's not going to come to fruition? And so I was very involved in theater. And um, when it came time to go to college, mom and dad said, we're not going to pay for you to major in theater. So I worked for an orthodontist for four years in high school. And he said, I will pay for dental school if you take over my practice. So I majored in biology and halfway through college, I'd taken Chem 1 and Chem 2, and I loved biology, but chemistry was so difficult for me, and I had it, it was time for me to take organic mm. chemistry. So I prayed about it. I called Dr. Boyd, and I said, I love you so much. I love your family. And I was so close to them, babysat their children growing up, and they were close with my family, and he was my orthodontist. So um, I said, I'm, I'm going to go a different direction, and he said, I'll help you. I'll do whatever I can, and I talked to my parents about it, and I transferred colleges 
to the University of South Carolina. They have a great journalism program, and mom and dad were fine with me majoring in, in broadcasting. So that's where the broadcasting career started, and mm. I had success with that, and I felt like that's where God wanted me. And when I transferred schools, I affiliated with my sorority, and about 50% of my sorority, they were really strong Christians, and they led me to the Lord. I grew up in church, but grew up in very formal churches and loved those churches, but I really didn't have a relationship with Christ, and I started going to a Baptist church, and it was really cool and hip, and all the college girls went there and college guys, and then I started getting involved with FCA and Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I mean, um, uh, uh, Campus Crusade, mm-hmm. and did some mission trips, and my life just changed, and that's when I got saved. It was uh, October 19th, 1997, my junior year of college. Ainsley, one of the questions that you've asked me before, and uh, I want to ask you is, uh, how has it been for you in the culture that we're in today where the media is not so in the closet about their hostility toward Western civilization and the biblical roots of our traditional American values? Uh, How how have you navigated all of that in the position of co-host of Fox and Friends and, and other media positions? Well, I'm so grateful that I work for a network that doesn't tell us what we can and can't say on television. They accept us for who we are. They hired us for who we are. And they allow me to talk about the Bible and about Jesus. And I can say, God bless you on air. And I also, they actually approached me and said, we're starting a streaming service called Fox Nation. And we want you to have a Bible study on this platform. So I have Ainsley's Bible study and I've interviewed Beth Moore. I've interviewed uh, so many different NFL players that have come to know the Lord. We've interviewed uh, co-hosts of mine and uh, primetime host, Sean Hannity has been on there with us. It's really really cool what God's done in my life. I grew up in South Carolina, wanted to be in New York or in Hollywood so badly. And now here I am in my 40s, living in New York City on the national level, waking up America every morning, and I'm able to talk about Christ and living in this amazing city. Ainsley, uh, the first voice that I hear in the morning time is really important to me. And I've made this new habit of getting up really early in the morning. even before the sun rises, and I want to hear the voice of God, so I put my nose into the scriptures, and I want to see the face of God in the word pictures that are painted there in the Bible. But for a lot of people, they wake up to your face and your voice, and you're saying, hi, (laughs) welcome to a brand new day. Does that give you a sense of um, purpose? Does that give you, sort of leave you in awe that God has allowed you to really set the tone for a lot of people starting out every day? It really, um, as long as I've been in this profession, it still hits me when someone comes up to me and says, I wake up with you every day. Or um, they feel like they can tell me anything because I'm part of their family. I'm in their living rooms or in their bathrooms, if they have TVs in their bathroom or in their kitchen while they're packing lunches for their children. And so I feel like I'm part of their family and they're part of mine. And so it still is surreal to me that I still feel like that five-year-old sometimes that And I realize, God, you are so good. I am one of the fortunate women that gets to wake up America every morning. And we have millions of people watching our show. And that's not lost on me. I'm grateful. And to God be the glory for that. But what a wonderful uh, responsibility that the Lord has given to me. And I want to be happy and cheerful. And, you know, even when we have our bad days, Lord is with us. The Lord sometimes makes us have a bad day so that we're on our knees and we're praying to him that much longer and we give our day to him. So if I can be cheerful and wake up America, I'm just grateful 
to be with all the people that watch us. And you're also a mom. You love being a mom. How has motherhood impacted your life and your career? Oh, gosh, it's just impacted my life in every way. It was such a blessing. I had a miscarriage and pray. I wanted a baby so badly, and it took me a while to get pregnant. And I would walk on the streets of New York and see women with strollers or see women that were pregnant, happy for them, but just asking God, please, please. I knew it would happen. I knew that God would answer that prayer. And then now I have Hayden, and she has just been an amazing blessing. She is such a fun child. I love picking her up from school. I'll pick her up, let's see, in about an hour and 30 minutes, and I will be the first one at the door. She runs into my arms. I carry her backpack. She uh, wants to either go get ice cream if it's a warm day in New York or go get hot chocolate at the little store next door. And we just enjoy being mm. together. I, I, I love it. My, I want my home to be an oasis. I live a block from her school, so a lot of the moms come over after school. Like today, we have a birthday party after school, and so all the moms are coming here. They're going to change their little girls out of their uniforms, and we're all going to go to the birthday party. It's for a girl in her class. And then we'll spend an hour together next door because it's a drop-off birthday party. Hayden's seven now, so these birthday parties are nice. no longer do I do I get to go. It's, a, it's just a fun time. We... Um, just soak up all of our time together. And um, I love reading with her and teaching her about the Lord. We say prayers together. We read books about Jesus. She loves the Lord. She asked Jesus to come into her heart when she was five. And um, she's just the greatest blessing other than Jesus. She is truly my greatest blessing. You mentioned to us some of the values that you grew up with, uh, the culture that built you in South Carolina. Now that you have a daughter of your own, what are the important values and messages that you really want to build into her? I want to teach her that she was born with a purpose and that she can make a difference. And so I was interviewing Tim Tebow and I said, what did your mom do to just pour in, pour Jesus into your life? And he said, every day she told me to make a difference in someone's life. And I thought that seems that we, you and I are always thinking, how can we make a difference in someone's life? Just as Christians, that's what we do. We walk around and we're always thinking about the Lord and trying to live that example every day. But my daughter at the time when I heard that was probably five or six. And uh, I went home and I said, Hayden, every day we're going to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so when she comes home from school, I always ask her, did you make a, a difference in the life of someone? And it could be something simple. I was nice to someone. Someone wasn't included on the playground and I asked her to play with me. So we are trying to instill that. We are just trying to live a life of, of gratitude and forgiving other people uh -huh. if they have hurt us hurt our feelings, and just letting her know, as the book is titled, I'm so glad you were born. You were born into my life. You enrich my life every day, and I am here to take care of you and love you and protect you and help you. We don't keep secrets from each other, and, um, you know, we just we just have fun. I just want her to enjoy her life. I mean, I, I, I am a disciplinarian, but she, by the grace of God, is a really good child, um, and that's rare when I have to discipline, but when we do, we just have conversations. It's, it's so much fun. And I know the teenage years they say can be tough, but I'm praying over those years already because I just want it to be always enjoyable. That's good that you're starting now, Ainsley. Believe me, I've got six. I know, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're young adults, start praying now. I just absolutely love this book. Um, and uh, I know that this isn't your first children's book. What inspired you to start writing for these younger audiences? 
Well, my first two children's books, I, I was sitting in church, actually, when I lived in San Antonio, Texas, and I was working for a local news station there. And I was sitting in church, and I just kept thinking about my mom has been a school teacher for 33 years. My sister's a school teacher, early childhood development, threes and fours, and they love it. And I thought, I would love to use my career in some capacity and allow my mom and my sister to help me. And we all love children. And I knew my mom and sister did. And they could help me with what a child looks for in a book and what books teachers are attracted to. And so I wrote a book when I moved to New York. I finally sat down and did it and submitted it to a publisher. And they said, we have so many books about dogs because it was about my dogs at the time. And so I then I found out I was pregnant with my little girl and I wrote, I just thought, I was sat down with these publishers. They said, we don't want a book about the dogs, but we want a book that you have written and we love Fox News and we think you have a good platform. Let's talk about what you could write. Tell us about your life. And I said, well, my dad, my mom went to school to teach her kids at 730 every morning. So dad was in charge of breakfast. Mom was in charge of dinners, but he was in charge of breakfast. So we would walk downstairs, and in our kitchen, we had an island with stools on each end, and Dad had the cereal bowls placed in front of each stool with the box of cereal, and we loved to, you know, do the mazes on the back of the cereal. And he would always have a scripture or would have a lesson or a saying next to our cereal bowl. So I was telling them this, and they said, that's amazing. Do you still have those letters? I said, I have a lot of them, and I have a lot of them in here, a lot of his lessons that he taught us. And they said, all right, let's write a children's book based on the lessons he taught you. So I wrote down all the lessons and wrote down, you know, found some songs that my mom had, had dedicated to us. And we looked through all the, all the words, the lyrics of the songs, and we just collaborated all of this together to make this first children's book. And they said, do you ever get to talk about your faith on Fox? And I said, all the time. And I said, I was just anchoring, filling in for Dana Perino on the five. And I was able to give a scripture. We were talking about politics and war. And I said, there's a scripture that I love, and it's take heart, my child. Uh, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, my child. I have overcome the world. And they said, we love that, and we love take heart. So we named that book Take Heart. That ended up being blew, blew us out of the water. It was number one on the New York Times bestseller list instantly. We ran out of books. We had to find a printer here in the U.S. that had the capacity to reprint quickly. It just sold. It was number It was number one instantly, and they weren't expecting that for a children's book. This was before children's books were kind of a, a mm. thing for celebrities. So then I did another children's book that was successful when Hayden was born, and then I did a, a memoir about my faith. And then I, my mom was diagnosed. She had a stroke five years ago, and uh, diabetes, dialysis, 24-hour uh, care. We had to build an apartment in our basement for her because she couldn't walk the stairs anymore, wheelchair. And it was just really sad. She loves to talk. She's the most social person I've ever met and play bridge with her friends and go to dinner parties. And she that was all taken away from her, and she couldn't talk anymore. And so we were able to communicate with her a little bit, but when she was diagnosed with, or when she had the stroke and we were there every weekend for a year, every other weekend, my sister and I would alternate the next year. And then we had to hire nurses. And I thought, my mom always says on our birthdays, I'm so glad you were born. And that's the title of this book. And the book was, came out last September and it was number one for five mm -hmm. weeks, stayed on the New York Times bestseller list for more weeks than that. And my mom got to see that, that success. And then she passed away on October 22nd, 2022.
Well, I'm so sorry for your loss, um, and I'm just so I know inspired. she's in heaven, though. I, I'm so inspired, and I know that she's so excited uh, now that she sees this phrase that she said to you your whole life turn into the theme for an entire book. And I love that you dedicated your book to your daughter, uh, and the book was inspired by your mother. On the inside cover, it says, God made you spectacular, one of a kind, creatively crafted, divinely designed. Ainsley, tell us, what age group is this book written to? So my daughter is seven, and she's not at the point where she can read the entire book. She's in first grade. But I think this book is a message for every child of every age because it's a it's it's a little more than saying happy birthday to your child. Yeah. It doesn't have to be read yeah. on their birthday, but a lot of moms and grandmothers and godmothers and you know aunts and uncles are buying it and they tell me this is something I will read to my child on their birthday and yeah. I had a, a woman I w- was recently at a book signing and she said my child's 21 but I'm buying the book and I'm reading it to him his <laughs> birthday is next week. And I thought that she said I'm going to make him stay on the phone with me and listen to the entire book because it's such a it's just a It goes the extra step. You know, it's so cliche to say happy birthday, and it feels good to hear that. But when you hear, I was anchoring Fox and Friends, and it was my first, you know, few months being there. And Steve Ducey, my co-anchor, it was his birthday. And I said, I'm so glad you were born. And Brian and Steve just looked at each other, and it was like (laughs) silence, silence. And then Brian just cackled in that voice that he does. And Steve was like, well, okay, I like that. And I said, well, it's something that we, you know, we say in the South. My mom said it to me, but is it, we are glad you were born. This is the day you were born. Let's have a dance party. Let's celebrate. It's amazing. And I hope you're going to have the best day ever. And so his wife texted him in the middle of our show recently and said, this is the title for her next book. She has to write the book, I'm So Glad You Were Born. And then my mom was sick at that point. So I said, this is a great chance to dedicate this to my mom. And um, it just goes the extra, extra step of telling your child, you love them. And it's so much fun to read and to look at. The pictures are great. The illustrations are beautiful. And there is a party going on in this book. Yeah, um, it's I a don't fun know, book. And I don't know if it's a birthday party, but it's a party about somebody's birth. And, uh, and, and I'm curious, do you have a big bash every time you have a birthday party at your house? Our birthday's a big deal? We do. They're a huge deal. They weren't really growing up. They Mom would say this to us, but... My parents were very busy. You know, my dad worked several jobs. He put himself through college, so he wanted to pay for our college. So he was very busy. And we were middle class. Mom was a school teacher, and she was busy. You know, she, when I thought about this, when I had to write her eulogy, I thought, how did she do it? You know, we were so hard on her. She let us be ourselves. Like, my Mm -hmm. dad was the disciplinarian, so we were too scared to really tell him how we felt. But my mom, and he's a wonderful man, but my mom kind of was the one who just took it. And we could go to her with anything. And we would tell her, like, Mom, I don't want to eat tonight. I just want to stay in my bedroom and do my homework and talk to my friends. And she would say, well, you, okay. You know, she just was so patient with us and allowed us to have these big personalities and allowed us to be ourselves. And so um, when I was writing the eulogy, I said, how did she do it? She worked. She had three children. She would come home and we'd be like, mom, we have to go to Walmart. I have a big project due in two weeks and I need to go now. I need to start it now. I'm really excited about it. And she's like, oh my word, I just got home from work. And we know how that feels. But as a child, I thought, why isn't she jumping up and getting in the car. Why aren't we going? And then she had to cook a meal for my dad because she's traditional and she was such a good wife and just served and served us. And so when I was writing eulogy, I just, and when she was on her, on her, you know, last few weeks, I just would tell her, thank you. 
thank you for being patient with me and thank you for loving me. And I am sorry that I wasn't as patient with you. And so you really realize when you become a parent, how much they do for you. Um, so we do have dance parties and I celebrate the birthdays. When my baby brother was born, we were all so thrilled. It's two girls. And we had this surprise baby brother and my mom and dad were surprised and he is born. And my dad was so thrilled. It was a boy. This was back before you could mm. find out if it's a girl or a boy. And, um, dad was just overjoyed and they are very close and dad, you know, wasn't outnumbered now. So he had, he had his son. So on my brother's birthdays, my sister and I would make it a huge deal and we would make mom go to the store. We'd buy lots of presents. We'd wrap them. We'd wake him up with like banging, you know, the tops of our pots (laughs) in his, in his bedroom. So I do that with my daughter. And, um, she told me the other day, she said, mama, I love it when I walk in the kitchen on my birthday because you always have a pink tablecloth and you cover it with all my presents and I have that plate. I don't know if you if y'all have seen these out in California, but they say uh, today is your special day. I think it's a red plate and someone gave it to me when she was born. And it's we get it out every, every birthday, every year. And I write, it comes with a Sharpie. So you write on the back of the plate the, what the celebration is and um, the date. And so I get that out and we do cake and all of that. And we have dance parties all the time, Kirk. And so if you look at the pictures, the dance parties, oh, there's, there's, my a, daughter there's a is big blonde. dance party going on right here. That's right. Yeah. And we do that. We, we crank the music up. Sometimes it's yeah. Christian music. Sometimes it's Tayo Cruz and we run around each room banging the drums and I love that and singing. I, I love that. And, and in your book, you tell readers you've been loved from the start. What kind of an impact do you think it would make on a generation of children if they knew that they were made by God and they are loved by God? I think it would make such a difference. How many children don't feel that love from their parents? How many parents do want to express this to their kids, but they're working three jobs? Or there's the single mom that has four children and she's working three jobs and she doesn't have time to always tell them or to have the big birthday party for their children or the money to do it. So I started praying that this book would get into classrooms and children would hear it and read this message and and that would start to click in their minds, even if they don't hear it at home, that God does love them and they have God has big plans for their lives. And God yeah. put all this in us. He That's put right. the desire to be on television in me. And then he allowed that to come true. And it finally, all my dreams started coming true. I, I saw a huge difference when I gave my life to Christ and I started living for him. And it just makes you nicer. It makes you a better person. And so when you are at your job and it's a tough day, you handle that situation differently, yeah. not because of because we're better than everyone. It's because we have Christ in us and we want to be radiant and we want to be that light in darkness oh. and we want to show others what Christ looks like. Ainsley, it's so important that you're writing this book, I think, at this point um, in, in history of our country. We have a generation of people who are experiencing an identity crisis. Uh, they don't know who they are. They're trying to understand who they are. Uh, and, and a crisis in purpose, uh, a crisis of value. Uh, and they're looking for it in, in any place that they can find it. Tell me I'm valuable. Tell me I'm important. Tell me I'm, I've, I've, there's meaning to my life. And Apart from God, we're going to fill, that, fill those questions with all the wrong answers. But you're pointing kids from the very beginning at young ages to the one who really does tell us who we are and why we're here. And if a child knows who they are and whose they are, why they've been put on the planet with purpose, for a purpose, that can change everything. What kind of reactions do you get from people when you tell them, I'm so glad you were born? I mean, you talked about that, that, that one instance there at, at work, but do you tell 
older people this, younger people, just your close friends? Or do you even say this to people that you just meet? Everyone. And it's cute now because now when someone comes on our show and it's their birthday, Brian, who sits to my left and Steve, who sits to my right, we all say, we, we look at each other and we say, and we're so glad you were born. We all <laughs> say it at the same time. So it's cute. How do you think we can help our children find their true identity and their true purpose? I think for me, um, speaking from experience, I grew up um, going to church on Sundays but I had this hole in my heart and this void. And I would run for student government positions at school. And I remember this girl, I was giving her some sort of a flyer that said, vote for Ainsley Earhart. And she looked at me and she said something ugly. And I just said, I hope you don't feel that way because I really don't know you, but I'd like to get to know you. And maybe we could go have coffee or I don't think it was coffee at that point. Maybe we could go, you know, whatever, go have a Coca-Cola and, and talk and get to know each other. And I remember getting in the car with my best friend and just said, how do you know we're going to heaven? And I said, I have this void in my heart and I don't know how to fill it. And I want people to like me and I want people to know me and know my heart. But that really hurt me what the girl said today because she doesn't know me. And later when I became a Christian, I read scripture about God filling that void in your heart. And I felt like God threw down a rope ladder to me and I was in this hole and I was trying to climb my way out of it because I wanted to be that radiant light and it, the walls were just so slimy, I could not get out. And so he threw me this ladder and he let me out and then he filled my heart with him and it changed my life in a mighty way and I stopped caring what anyone thought of, about me because I knew I was going to lose friends at that point because I was the you know at the party and I was the fun one. And I was always with, you know, this group of girls that we would just have a great time. We were always at the party and I got so sick of that. And so when you talk about people searching for their significance uh. and to fill those voids, I was that girl and I was filling it with all the wrong things. And then when you find Christ, you fill it with so much hope and joy and you fill it with him and your purpose in life changes. All you care about is making a difference and telling people about him. I'm not trying to force my faith on other people, but I love everybody so much. I just want them to experience it because I know they're hurting because I was hurting and I was there and I want them to know that. I mean, there have been times where I didn't want to live anymore, Kirk. And I've gone through some things in my life where I didn't want to live anymore. And God picks me up and he redeems me. And so if you're there and you feel that way, just search for God and go to church, listen to praise and worship music. God huh. speaks to me in so many ways. I just go on YouTube and I search praise and worship music. I listen on Pandora or on Spotify to, to praise and worship. And God just fills my apartment and fills my life with that. So um, God has big plans for you and it's never too late. And if you can teach your children this at an early age and pour into them, then it'll make life a lot easier for them. Man, and that's what our kids need right now. They need a sense of their identity, a sense of their purpose, and a humble confidence that they're exactly who God created and designed them to yes. be, and that He's going yeah. to guide their path. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.